Miniatures, the final frontier. These are the podcasts of Board Game Anonymous. It's ongoing mission to explore strange new gaming formats, to seek out new geek life and felt surfaces, and to boldly go where no board gamer has gone before. Anonymous, the podcast about gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Anthony. Hey, this is Chris. I'm Dan. I'm Kim. Welcome to episode 11. This week we're going to talk about uh, Attack Wing and X Wing. And boo. boo. Why boo? <laughs> you won. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yay! <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate this game, but I'm good at it. I love it. Well, I was booing because I wasn't dwarf. Aww. Oh, yeah. I don't think anybody was ever dwarf. <laughs> There's going to be a Star Trek uh, Once Upon a Time crossover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dwarf! Yeah. She sees what you did there. See? Captain Picard and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's our feature review today. We're also talking about a couple others. Uh, we got Masquerade to the table, finally. Which a couple is times. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, we got Lords of Waterdeep out again. With Which, six players for the first time. That was intense. That was fun. Yeah, that was a really good game. Yeah. It was finally. We've been saying that for like two weeks. You bring it with every time and it never actually hits the table. <laughs> so uh, that and a couple others we talked about. And then, of course, Extra Life is tomorrow. So if you're, re- if you're listening to this right now, it's probably happening as we speak. You might even be in the room with us. And if you are, take your headphones off. It'll be like a time paradox. <laughs> be social. <laughs> Welcome to the Twilight Zone. You just looked at us. <laughs> Now put your headphones away. <laughs> and I just weird did you. Did you see it? I'm doing it again right now. I'm in your head, man. <laughs> Literally, that's headphones. That does that stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the next podcast, um, obviously this weekend we're doing Extra Life, so we're not doing a normal podcast. We're going to have kind of a vignette of all of our updates from the event, along with some, uh, like, you know, just some updates on how everything went. You know, share with you the wonderful event that was Extra Life. Because right now we're totally jonesing for it. Because it's still a week away as we record. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's going to be phenomenal. I can't wait. We're also going to have a whole bunch of video uploads of our prize winners and some of the events and games going on. We're going to be getting feedback of some people to see what they thought of pe- the first time they're trying out some of these games, like especially things that we talked about before, like Crossmasters and Spirium and such. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be awesome. So I'm not going to run through everything again. If you're coming, you're coming. If you're not, it's too late. You're so, definitely missing out if you're not. If you're not, yeah. If you're listening to this and you could have come, if you're in the tri-state area, just get in your car right now, do a GTA-style drive, and just ignore red lights and people. Just go, go, go. Get to Myriad. We'll see you there. 1650 Richmond Avenue. Go. <laughs> Google map it. Um, but what we are going to do, as we mentioned this last week, is uh, we're, we're having a huge raffle at the, at the event, but we wanted to do one for the listeners, the people who aren't here in the tri-state area who can't actually come. Um, we've gotten a lot of feedback from people who want to participate, who want to donate, who want to be part of this. And if you do, if you do that, we want to, you know, make you part of it. So we're going to have a special contest. Yeah, so what you'll be able to do is we're looking for everyone that can, if you can donate $10 or more, contact us and let us know, and we're going to put you in for a prize raffle where we'll ship you the games. We'll foot, we'll foot the bill for the shipping. We'll take care of that. But after you donate the $10, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll get an extra entry. Let us know on Twitter. Say something out so we know that you're up on there. If you like us on Facebook, you'll get another entry. 
So the main thing is the donation, but if you follow us on the social media, it'll give you more chances to be able to win one of the eligible prizes. And so far, we're looking at three, possibly more prizes for the online winners. So you're going to have a pretty good chance of this. Exactly, yeah. So you're going to have multiple entries. We're going to pull the, the names randomly. So it doesn't matter you know, if you like us one versus the other. You have just as much of a chance as anybody else. And there's going to be some pretty good stuff there. Yeah, and uh, I know there's like a lot of different sites you can use for the random generators. I was thinking we'll do a quick video of us using the site of the random generator because I know every time I see other podcasts with contests, if I don't win, I'm like, that was rigged. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I entered at least nine times. It's, this is bogus. I should have gotten something. So you'll actually know for a fact that if you won or lost legitimately. You will see us randomly generate the name on whatever website we use. Like random.org, I think is the, one of the ones. Unless Bob comes up and we're like, I don't like Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Reload. You're in Jersey. You could have come to the events. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to donate the easiest way is go to our website boardgamersanonymous.com click on the top link on the site it says extra life and then there's instructions right there that shows you exactly how to sign up and donate and then just let us know that you did and be sure that you're on our team so we can find you there exactly it makes it a lot easier for us yeah and the other thing that'll be great is it's also tax deductible which gets you a few more dollars at the end of the year to your board gaming habit Ooh, yeah i like that part thinking ahead (laughs) so do that and um are we gonna pull the winners probably in a couple weeks right um, yeah, I mean, I was even thinking we would probably be able to do it like almost midweek, very close to the event. I mean, you may not be able to be there for the event that day, but it'll feel like you were there. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, definitely do that. And in two weeks, we'll announce the winners for that. Yeah, absolutely. We also want you to get the word out to all your friends on Facebook and Twitter and on Board Game Geek. Spread the word about our podcast. Let people listen. And the more people listen, the more we can get our voices out there and promote this great hobby. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we love our listeners. We have a lot of, it's, it's really growing. We're reaching a lot of people in different places. Like, I think 20 or 30 countries now show up on the map, yeah, which is nice. amazing to me. I don't even know how, like, just all over the place. Um, we have our first f- fan mail on Board Game Geek, despite not using Board Game Geek very effectively. <laughs> we have a guild. You should join the guild. But if you're on Board Game Geek and you're listening to this, stop by, join the guild, say hi. We'll say hi back. And I also want to uh, mention one other thing with the extra life stuff. I saw a lot of the interesting ideas people are putting up there for their promotions. There's a few people from Wizards of the Coast that are doing a D&D session. And you get to design their character. Like, if you donate 25 bucks, you can name their person. You donate this amount, you get to choose their class. So I was thinking, I'm going to offer, if anyone is willing to donate 50 bucks... I will play Munchkin for a solid hour with Chris. Wow. Yes. Ooh. Can we record it? <laughs> yes. Okay. Every painstaking, miserable moment of getting my <laughs> teeth kicked down my throat of, oh, level 20 dragon, you die again, and you die again. <laughs> I am willing to do that for this cause, playing Munchkin. I think Chris might need and more money you... than that. <laughs> I was say, if you don't donate $500, I'll actually play with yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> but, well, here's the part. Here's the part. I'll have a smile on my face while I'm playing. I'll just be dead on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be saying the same things, though? Because yeah. you're smiling as you're like, I hate this game I'll be so like, much. I equip this awesome sword that can't help me because I'm going to die anyway. This game's so cool. I'll be as happy as can be. <laughs> For Aww. the children. For the children. Munchkin's awesome. Why? It, Why, Dan? It's my second favorite game. Okay. You know what's first? <laughs> Everything else. All right. Least, all together. <laughs> all combined. At least it's in the top two. I was going to say. <laughs> That's pretty good. Don't listen. Don't listen to Steve Jackson. We love that game. I love all the other Steve Jackson games. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> all three of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so definitely sign up. You know, on the Board Game Geek, uh, hit us up on uh, the website, on Facebook, on Twitter. Get your entries in. This is, you know, we're not going to run this for too long, but definitely have a lot of chances to get in there and get a cool game out of it. Absolutely. All right. In other news, we have the final tallies on Bones. Reaper Bones 2. And we did not spend two or three hours yesterday trying to decide whether or not to <laughs> upgrade our orders at all. Because <laughs> those guys are evil. Yeah, they kept as the uh, Kickstarter kept going, it was like, and we'll add this. No, no, I don't want that. And we'll add that. Uh, I don't really want it. And we'll add this, too. No, no, stop. Please, stop. <laughs> yeah, if you saw it at the end, there was some stuff on there. It's just, like... Yeah. Eight-inch tall things for like twenty bucks. Yeah, and I mean it, it's a case of like it's basically dump trucks full of money are backing up to their yard, just dumping and going here. Give us plastic. So I mean, they have that luxury of doing that now because it's all just going out in bulk shippings too. So they ended up with three million one hundred sixty-nine thousand six hundred and ten dollars, and from what some people are saying, I'm not a hundred percent sure if this is true, but it seems to be um, if you already have an order in, you could add on. So you could throw in a couple more bucks. Ooh. So that could actually even go higher than that. Do we know how long they're letting people do that? I think it's until December. Oh, yeah, That's not cool. There's a few Kickstarters that do that, too, where yeah. you can always add to order. A while ago, I got, like, the best damn gaming coins, and they had the same option. You can yeah. pledge, but you can always add to that order before they finalize. I'm like, the only reason I only donated 20 was because I didn't want to spend more. <laughs> Don't give me more time to yeah. think about it. It's like, hey, you got a few paychecks since last time we talked to you, bud. So, uh, so how, how you liking these coins? You want, you want a few more? I mean, yeah. it's genius, but it's 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 a tool, you know, of evil, really. Pretty <laughs> much, yeah. Part of the problem was, I mean, the the co the comment section really had a great community. Everybody was really oh, yeah. talking, ongoing conversations, and everyone was really friendly and supportive. But there was over ninety six thousand comments during their Kickstarter, so it was really hard to get information because the comment section was updating so quickly yeah, that it was like, really hard to follow. Yeah, you put something on, it gets buried under pages more of stuff yeah. in like an hour. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, yeah, we were sitting there yesterday, me and Chris, as it was counting down, and he's like, watch this video, watch this video. I'm like, make it end. <laughs> oh. There's this modular thing. I think you went and added it, yeah. right? And it's, I don't, I don't even know, I don't remember what it's called. Like, um, Dragons Don't Share or something? Yeah, like that's that. what it was. And it's, you know, it's like a... It's ruins. Ruins, and they're yeah. modular. They come apart. You can take them apart, so it's perfect for role-playing. But then there's, I think, five or six minis, the party. And you don't have to lug around a huge base. It's, and you, you can get them a... parts into easier transport. Yeah, and it's huge. Yeah. It was like, I don't know, 10 inches diameter, maybe that a foot tall. Saw, yeah. It was massive. It, it was, was like 35 bucks. It's incredible. And <sighs> it comes with like a gigantic mountain climbing up the side of the ruins. And then there's spots to put your other Reaper miniatures for the heroes to be fighting against it. It looked phenomenal. I need it. I did not need to know that I could still order that for another month. <laughs> I'm, I'm just surprised they didn't make it where, like, for $10 more, like, you know, there's a little butane tank in the dragon. That you can press <laughs> <on>. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you know, just $10 more, just $10 more. These prices are so ridiculous, you can't not do it. That, and, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, in the end, I think each miniature in the base set alone of your $100 donation is, like, under a dollar a piece. Because there's so many. Sure. Yeah. Also on Kickstarter, I was able to, at the, really at the last second, I, I kept looking at Buccaneer Bones. And didn't mention this before, but it was a really small kind of dice rolling game. It was 9 bucks. Yeah, I saw that. And I was watching it because it looked interesting, didn't look really complicated. I was kind of unsure whether or not to back it or not. But it actually releases in November, so you'll actually get a ship to you in November. 
Wow. And it hit all its um, stretch goals. So it, I think it made, let me double check, $18,600. And it hit all the goals. So you can actually play up to six players. And it's this little tiny board that you have where on one side there's islands, and the other side you have ships. And you roll dice to move up to get to the islands. And then once you get to the islands, you have, you have the ability to draw treasure. So really quick, kind of fast game. So I was eh, I wasn't sure if it was worth it, but for nine bucks, yeah. with all the stretch goals, yeah, I mean, can actually get November. That's the thing. Like sometimes you'll see a couple of these little Kickstarter projects, you can't beat it. Like there's no reason not to back it. Like the games that are under fifteen dollars or such, even if it's not that great, you know, you didn't like pump out a ton of cash. It's not like very rarely do you play a game that's that disappointing. So even if you get a few plays out of that game for nine bucks, that's sure. awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. You were just showing me another Kickstarter game too. What was it called? Um, it's like yeah, Agricola with beer. Yeah, <laughs> and that that is one of the few Kickstarters that when I saw, I'm like, I need this game immediately. <laughs> I had the exact same response. Yeah, it's gonna be unfortunately the downside is it's not gonna come out till like next summer. Yeah, but the Kickstarter is going on right now. It just started. There's still 28 days left. They almost already hit their goal. It's from Dice Hate Me, and it looks awesome. You can. Up your brewing vats, you make different brands of beer, there's seasonal beers, you can research better strands of like hops and barleys, you can actually start growing the stuff on your own area to, oh my god, tell me it doesn't look it's awesome. It's so cool. It is uh, so cool. It's, it's, a, it's a gluten game, I'm sorry. <laughs> we have a gluten-free intolerance You just policy. make the ports then, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I don't care, man. I don't like Agricola that much, but I would, I'm would. i going to play this game. Oh man, I, I'm going to play that, I mean, that like, seems to be the number one, like comparison but i don't care and that's gonna be the greatest game to play during our beers and board games thing. exactly that's gonna be awesome <laughs> but the the other thing is um one of the biggest pulls for this game that got me was when i was watching the video one of the beers is the viva java coffee stout in brewmasters and the viva java game is another one from dice hate me so as soon as i saw that i was like that's right i i always wanted to get that game Look around online for that game. You can barely find it anywhere. I only found one or two online retailers. Amazon was one of the few sites. I'm kind of anxious to get this game because I'm afraid that it might come out in that week or two that I'm not paying attention, sell out, and then, oh, yeah, we can't get it anymore, ever. You're never going to see it again. Yeah, that's the tough part about Kickstarter because this one especially, you look at it, there's no stretch goals to find yet. They have a stretch goal level. I think it's $10, more, $10 more, but they don't actually have any stretch goals laid out, so you're like, yeah, Full retail, it, no stretch goals. I don't know if I want to do that, but like you said, if it goes out of print really fast and you don't get it... Yeah, like, and ah. I mean, if it's a game you play a lot, like it's a $60 pledge to get the game, yeah. but I mean, if it's something we play a few you know, a few times over, it'll be worth it. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch the video and see how it plays. Yeah. I'm waiting for the seltzer version of it. <laughs> <laughs> seltzer brewing. Like Soda King. The soda, soda King. King. Soda King there you awesome. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Variant rules. <laughs> so you can either put in a bazillion grams of sugar in this or a bazillion and five grams of sugar and sales go up. I love this game. <laughs> the, game the entire game would just be like, new labels. Yeah. The exact same. Exactly. Sugar water. What's the label on it? <laughs> And the Kickstarter will actually be Mountain Dew Kickstarters. It'll just, <laughs> they just jam them inside the box, drink as many as you can in a single game. That's the game. <laughs> be like the power nap you were telling me about. Yeah. Drink three Red Bulls and then fall asleep for ten minutes. Yeah, it'll be great. Whoever wakes up fastest wins. <laughs> That's funny, too, because Mountain Dew has the gamer fuel, which is like really strange, nasty, chemical, glow-in-the-dark glow liquid. Yeah, but for, it's awesome. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. 
But that's more for like you know video games. What would be the drink for board gamers then? I think it's that's why they actually named that Mountain Dew Kickstarter because there's no other reason to name that drink that. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up! Like I'm just waiting for like new Mountain Dew like you know like maple juice or something like that. Or <laughs> Get or, on all of it. Yeah. yeah. Critical hit energy drinks. That's right. You know, it's, it's a matter of time because like Gamer Fuel was literally made for like Hello. That's right, that was the first one, yeah. Yeah. I remember they had the, uh, you could get the mana drinks, those little shots. Yeah. They were like $4, but they looked like a potion bottle, and it was awesome. Yes. (laughs) Where did those go? Um, I think, like, the CDC had to recall them. Those (laughs) things are terrible. (laughs) I remember I got one. I never had a smile turn to a frown so fast in my life. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of how I always responded to energy drinks. Yeah. Like, Red Bull's not for me. Oh, so delicious. I love those things. All right. Obviously, we have energy drinks in the mind. We've got extra life in a week, so yeah. we could be down in those. I don't care what it tastes like. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's the news this week. Next up, some of the stuff we've got our eyes on. Acquisition Disorder Corner. All right, so one game I've actually been checking out, it's called Kahlua. Not to be confused with the delicious drink, but Aww. it sounds pretty interesting. Do you ever play the old game Populous? It was basically like you were a god, and you had like all the little people running around. You can cause volcanoes and fires. This game is a board game version of basically Populous. And you can influence the lives of the people on the islands. It's like little tropical islands and whatnot. But when you do the disasters and everything, there's all different gods. Like each player represents a different god. But it sounds like there's some type of tricky element because when you do disasters, the people on the island don't know which god is doing it. So you can like impede them and looks like you kind of push the blame over a little bit. It sounds kind of interesting. As soon as I read this, I was thinking, like, way back on the old days of, like, Populous being one of the first computer games I ever played. You know, it's almost like how Minecraft looks now is how the graphics were for that game then. Yeah. But it sounds pretty interesting, and it's actually from Passport Game Studios. That's a new one. Yeah, I never heard of them before, so this might be their first drop in that hat. I figure I'd give it a try see how it goes. Yeah, I've had my eyes on a couple things. Uh, the first expansion that I've seen, at least, for the Duke is hitting. I think it might actually be out now. It's the Musketeers. Um, in the in the game book for the when you buy the base set, it had examples of like thematic expansions. I think the one of the examples they used was Robin Hood. And the second I saw that, I was like, I need these expansions. That's so great, like the literary expansions. So cool. this is the first one with probably the Three Musketeers. Now, just out of curiosity, like, do any of the pieces ever do special attacks or anything in that game, or is it just like movement patterns? There's movement patterns, but it can affect your attacks um, in some ways. It's not. It, it depends on like where you can attack from, and like if you can attack through people, sometimes. Oh, that's cool. So there might be a, like a, a token in the way, but you could shoot through that, and hit like somebody the, behind it. Yeah, I feel like with the three musketeers, there should be a chandelier token for you to be able to swing from. And attack. yeah, right. <laughs> all swashbuckling all, all the, the time. time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun to see how they take those things and make them thematic in kind of an abstract way. I love those kind of abstract games. Now, the Duke is one of my favorite two-player games. It's hard to imagine what they do with it, so that's why I'm excited to see this. And the expansions for the game are not that much money. Like, I think it's $15, so it's not bad. It isn't bad. I think it's you get like six or eight pieces in it, right? Yeah. And you just you probably mix them up with your bag. So. Yeah, it's not bad at all. I wonder if we'll ever see a bigger board. That would be interesting. Yeah. So you start with more pieces out on the board, and then it's a little more strategic as far as that's concerned. Four-player expansion. Four-player would be nice, too. Four-player would be very interesting, but you definitely would need a bigger board. It takes a lot to track, though, because you have to tra- you have to track their pieces on the board, the flip side, and what they could possibly draw. So four-player would be fun, but might take a little time. 
Yeah, it's one of those games, I think, that either both of you have to not know what all the tokens do, yes. or both of you have to know. If one person knows and the other doesn't, the person who doesn't is going to have a very bad time. A la magic slash hero click slash every other game. <laughs> like, yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> except, you know, it's like a quick two-player game. Like, oh, this looks fun. It's like chess, except you don't know what I'm going to do, and I know exactly what you're going to do. I was going to say, you always feel bad in those games when you move a piece, and before you're even done, the person across you just starts shaking their head going, ooh, no. <laughs> can I take that back? I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> just help me learn. I'm trying to learn. Either that, or even worse than that, is when they get like that huge grin on their face, and they're like, you're moving there? No! <laughs> I didn't let go yet. <laughs> so yeah, I'm definitely going to pick that up when I, when I see it in the store. This is a kind of uh, old game. I heard it from another podcast. It's called Space Dice. If you like quarters, I heard that you'll probably like this game. Basically, you roll a number of 12-sided dice. And the goal of the game is you have to collect planets, and you can destroy planets uh, from other players. And I thought this looked really interesting. And when I heard about it, I just had to look at it. It's only, it's only 20 bucks. And you get this neat little can that says Space Dice, and all the dice just come in it. You got like a black hole, um, some of the symbols on the dice would be like black hole, you get a meteor, planet, a sun, and the supernova. So I think this is actually an interesting game. I, I do would like to try it out sometime. Yeah, and I heard like one thing with that game is um, like if a certain amount of the supernovas come up, it actually just resets the game. Yeah. Like everything just goes goodbye. That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Oh, you're in lead by 12 points? Reset button. Aww. <laughs> so I guess, I mean, this game in theory can go anywhere from 10 minutes to every day between now and the day you die. Oh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that might be a downside to it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop supernovaing everything. I want to go home. <laughs> There's a reason they ban those kind of cards in, like, magic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Balance, no. <laughs> That does sound cool, though. I love those dice games. I picked up Dungeon Roll after we reviewed it the other week, because it's just... I don't know, it's fun. Those quick, easy fillers. Yeah, I mean, little games like that, and like especially these dice games, are so easy to transport, uh, almost no space in your bag, and it's like the ideal in-between game. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we got one more game sitting on our table, too, that uh, just kind of came in. It's not ours. Our friend Brian gave it to me the other night. He wants us to review it, actually. It's Amerigo. It just came... I think it just shipped to to the uh, backers because it was on Kickstarter. It's another okay. Stefan Feld game, so I was all over that because we just reviewed Bruges, which was fantastic. Bruges! Oh. And this one, I literally know nothing about it. He just showed me the components, but it has this cool tower that's it's kind of its randomizer. It's a dice tower, but there's no dice. You drop, you drop your wooden cubes in it. Some of them stay in there, and the ones that come out, that's how you decide things like what resources you get and where you're going. But every time you drop them in, something else might pop out. So you might drop in two red cubes and maybe a brown and a green pop out. It says, what is this sorcery? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How does it work? Is wizard tower. <laughs> it's just a, this really cool looking piece of cardboard, like you know, in cool engineering, I guess. I don't know, but and I have no idea how this game plays. The box is huge. It's a modular board, so you're putting all these pieces together. So it's it's definitely something we're going to play like, in the next couple weeks and review because yeah. it looks awesome. It just came out. A lot of people are looking at it, interested. It's it's pricey when it hits the stores, so I definitely want to take a look. Yeah, I mean, it sounds interesting. Like, modular board games always interest me. I just like the element of even the board itself is going to be different every time you play. Yeah. You know, you don't have to stick to a consistent, you know, oh, I know exactly where I'm going to go on my first turns because it may not be there. 
Yeah, it's literally different every time. And I'm interested to see how he gets the luck in there because there are no dice in the box. So, so that's everything uh, in our acquisition disorder list this week. Next up, some of the games we played this week. At the table this week. So the one game we play this week, and we've gotten it in four or five times now, is Masquerade. Not so fast. I'm the moderator. I'm calling your bluff. Well then, are you sure about that? I'm willing to bet a penny on it. Are, are you? Yeah. What do I get if I'm actually the moderator? Well, then you get to continue introducing the game. Oh, okay. But if you're wrong, I start introducing the game if I'm the moderator. Okay. And if I'm not, then we both pay a penalty, and then neither of us get to do it. Then who would do it? Somebody else. Because that's how Masquerade works. All it's right. a game of constantly calling out what you are or aren't, <laughs> and it's one of the most fun games I've played in a while. The best way that we thought of it was like a reverse love letter. We haven't flipped the cards yet, man. You can just take over like that. Are you calling my bluff? You called my bluff. Oh, that's right. Let's flip my cards. <laughs> <laughs> Moderator. Bam. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go get a soda. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Masquerade has been a lot of fun, and it's a game that accommodates from 2 to 13 players. Two players is a little, meh. I like it better, at least like at least a table of 4 or 5, but we were having a blast playing this game because in Love Letter, you're hoping to be the princess and win the game by going out with the highest point value card. In Masquerade, your actions are switching cards with other players, taking a peek at what you are, because even you don't know when the cards are face down and get swapped up a bit, or performing the action of somebody. But it's kind of like if you were playing Love Letter and just going, well, I'm the princess, I just win. And everyone has to call you, and if they're wrong, there's a penalty. But if they call you out and you aren't that piece, you're paying a penalty as well. Yeah, this is really cool because basically everything's hidden all the time. So if you're not paying attention, you're not going to do well in this game. But everybody gets a card, it's always face down. You can swap them whenever you want. You don't have to swap them if you don't want. You can put them under the table and not swap them and just mess with that person. And you only need 13 coins to win, so it doesn't take very long to win if people aren't paying attention. Like, if you are the king and people don't take your card away for two rounds, game's over. Yeah. And unfortunately, you can break the game, because that is what he did with one. <laughs> we did break the game. Yeah, what happened? We all revealed. We all called somebody on something, so we all revealed. So we all knew what we, ch- what we were, and so everybody just declared every round. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it was basically like, I'm getting three gold because I'm the king. I'm getting two gold because I'm the queen. I'm, I'm the, the bishop, bishop, give me your money. I'm the witch, I'm swapping money with you. <laughs> and the cheat was in the middle, which is the only one anybody would want to get rid of because it doesn't do anything until you have ten. Yeah, so, I mean, but that game is a lot of fun. And when you look through the book, when we read the instruction book, it's a short book. And we had a few moments of going, wait, what? So we're going to throw together a little quick video to show how the game is played to make it a little easier for people in the beginning, too. Yeah, it's really simple. Uh, probably the only complicated thing is figuring out which cards to put in. And it tells you. There's a chart that shows you which cards recommended based on how many players there are. And then it gives you kind of some suggestions on how to swap them out to make sure it's still balanced. Yeah, and I mean, I, like, I was having a blast when we were playing this, like, every game. It was just a lot of laughing, a lot of joking, a lot of people going, like, hey, man, why are you messing with me? Why you got to switch with me? And meanwhile, you didn't even really swap in the first place. You were just messing with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So You kept messing with me. You and Anthony. Yeah, it was fun. Chris didn't even touch my cards. It was just, you were getting, ganging up on me. Well, yeah. I didn't gang up on you. You had a lot of coins. Sometimes. And you had the witch, which is awesome, because you get to swap with someone else. Yeah, that's true. So you intentionally guess wrong until you're broke, and then you just go, give me your 12 <laughs> coins. 
It's true. It reminds me, I know Dan's going to love this comparison, a munchkin in a way, because it does seem like you build up until you hit almost about to win, and then you play your kind of real powers at that point. Because otherwise, you're just sitting with your card, just getting your two or three gold, you know, or taking gold throughout the game. There's not a lot much more that goes on, like what we found in the game we played. Well, it's also, it depends on how many players you have, because some of the higher point people do wild things. Like, uh, my favorite card, hands down, is the Fool, where he takes one coin from the bank, but you choose two other players, and you can t put their cards under the table to swap. So you just get to mess with the whole table when you're the Fool. But, I mean, all in all, like, the art on the cards are absolutely beautiful. You know, they're, like, that nice, like, Victorian-style artwork to them. They're really beautiful, like, rich colors. The coin components are really good. We decided to use those coins to replace the ones in Spirium. Because uh, at least the you know the ones in the fives are different sizes, which is always a huge bonus. And I mean, even the like the little roll pieces. There's also little chits that show each position that's in the game. So if your memory isn't the best, like you may you know even if you forget who was who in the last round, at least you know who's in the game. Unlike you know some people in Love Letter, they get a little choked up. They have to constantly check that reference. But there might only be five chits on the table in a four-player game. But if you're playing a 13-player game, every single one of them is going to be out. Which so is, I like that scale. Which the odd thing about the game is the artwork is so beautiful and the components are so great. It's almost a shame that the whole entire game your cards are face down. That's what's called masquerade. I know, but it's kind of it's sad because you don't really get to enjoy the artwork at, like as you play the game for whatever is twenty minutes a half hour or so. The entire board you're just looking at the back of the cards, so you're not really getting to enjoy the artwork as much as you would. Yeah, but we got to see a lot of that artwork when people were just wildly calling <laughs> bluffs. So it's like I'm the bishop. You know what? Forget it. We're all the bishop. Let's just all do that. Because, <laughs> well, one mechanic we didn't mention is this is what's great. Say we're playing the four of us. You say you're the king. I say you're not. I'm the king. Chris goes, no, I'm the king. Kim says she's the king. We all flip our cards. Everyone that is not the king has to pay one gold to the tax uh, area. Like you put it inside this like little special zone. But even though it's not Kim's turn, if she's the king, she'll collect the three gold. Because you're not activating your turn, you're activating the power of a person. So if somebody calls you on it and they are that role, it's like they almost got a free turn. Yeah, the game rewards you for remembering who you are. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which makes sense, because it's hard to remember who you are. Yeah, but at, at certain points, that thing was becoming like three-card Monty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the cool thing, too, is that say you know for a fact you're not the king, but you don't know who you are, you could call them just to see who you are. Because yeah. that's an action. That would take up your whole turn normally. But you're like, I'll spend one gold to see who I am. And you're like, oh, okay, that's who I am. And you put it back down. And then you're next with, like, say that was the person before you. Now on your turn, you get to go. You know exactly who you are. Yeah, uh, one of our friends, George, was playing with us, and he had that strategy where anytime Chris went, he's like, I'll call you. <laughs> Just to see who it was. It's you, like, could, you could also peek, right? That's one of the actions you yeah, can take, too. But he was like, ah, I'd rather pay the one and then just make, know what he's getting the next turn. I was like, that's actually a pretty sound strategy. Yeah. I want to play this with a lot of people because I think it would just be a mess. Yeah, I, I would definitely want to break out during Extra Life in the later hours, you know, when we can just get as loud and rowdy as we want. I think that would be really fun, like playing an eight or ten man game of Masquerade. All right, so what does everybody think? I know two of us own it, so that's yeah, pretty I mean, obvious. <laughs> I was looking at this game for a while. I am really glad I got it. And, I mean, you don't get too much in the box. It's a really small box, which is great, easy to transport, beautiful components. I, I'm very happy I bought this game. Yeah, I like this game a lot. It's not a three-player. It's not a two or three-player game. You have to at least have four or more. I would like to try it. How many? How many does it actually play? Up to thirteen. Thirteen, awesome. right? I think that would be awesome to play. 
because this would not be like if you just want to pick this up for you and a friend it's not really going to be that great so if you have like a group of people you can play with this is a really good like party game yeah i i picked it up when dan picked it up i think we did it to get over shipping a miniature market oh yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i saw it and you know the artwork looked fantastic it's bruno fiduti it was you know people were kind of saying it was similar to citadels which it's not at all but that's what I went with, and I'm glad I did, but it was completely different than what I expected. It is more along that, like, love letter. Not It's not like love letter, but it's just that feeling of the game, you know, the way you're the hidden roles and interacting with other players. Um, like like everybody said, I want to play it with more people and see how it goes. We've done five every time, I think. But yeah, about I'm very happy I bought it, so I'd say it's a must-buy. It has great artwork, great components. It's a small box. It's really a nice value for the game that you get. Um, I've only pl- I think we played it twice with the five players. I think for me, I'd, I'd like to try with more people. Um, five players just it seemed like out of your control to win. I think there was some certain points in the game where, on your turn, if you're not if you're not swapping with somebody else to take their card away, you really don't have any influence on the rest of the game. I can't stop Kim from winning the game because. I took my one turn, so I'm just playing my one card, I'm just hoping that everything kind of works out my way. I think when I won the first game that I played, of course I totally damned it, but um, <laughs> no one was just, I had, I think I was the king or the queen, and I was just getting three coins each turn, and I guess because everybody else was switching, I was just counting up three each turn, and I eventually got the 13 that I needed, and I was like, alright, I, I guess I won. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the fact that Anthony and I were slightly inebriated last night probably didn't make it too much harder for people to win either. <laughs> Whoa, there, what are you trying to say? There were periods of, like, two or three rounds. I'm like, I don't know what yeah. I am. I don't know what you are. Yeah, but like, well, we were switching cards. It's like, I, I don't even know which one I took now. Like, I'm going to lose. <laughs> so when you're the fool, you're like, uh, yeah, I don't know. But like what you're saying, Chris, I think you're right. Like, a lot more people should make it interesting, and that's all the more reason why people should definitely get on the Extra Life events with us, have a nice big table of 13 people masquerade. Yeah, come in. Join the game. It's going to be that's fun. Gonna, that's going to be hard to keep track of. I think it'll be awesome if, like, ten people call you and then somebody reveals they're the tax collector and they're next. I'm winning. Anyone else? <laughs> <laughs> because I think the I think the smaller numbers, the game just kind of suffers. I think I do think that Love Letter or Masquer- um, Love Letter or Citadels plays better with a smaller number of people. So I would definitely play this again with a larger group, but smaller group, I'd probably find something else to play. Yeah, I mean, you both mentioned Citadels, and that's the thing. Like, I love Citadels, but eight-player Citadels, I f- it feels like almost like a marathon at times because it takes so long to get to that eighth building amongst eight people. I would say, like, five people and under, I would go for Citadels. Six people and over, I would love to break out Masquerade instead. I think yeah. it would be, like, more fun. I'm wondering, though, with, this, with uh, Masquerade, though, having, like, 12, 13 people, that's a lot of wait until you get to play your one movement. Unless you call people. Yeah, but even if you call people, you're only going to lose a coin or maybe gain a, you know gain an action at that point. Or activate, based on yeah. who you are. Because if you're, like, say you're, um, I know one of the cards, like, let you, you know, with the fool, you get to switch people. Sure. So you can just be like, oh, well, you know, like, I already know you're the tax collector. You're going to win the next turn unless you don't swap with Kim. Like, things like that. Yeah, I could see it kind of becoming werewolf style, too, though, where people start, you know calling people without calling them like you should call him you should call. we were kind of doing that last yeah. night you get interactive with it because maybe you know who the person is you're like no they're not that person but the person who could call them who actually has enough coins to do it you're like i have two coins and i'm not that person i'm not calling them 
You guys should call him, trust me. <laughs> that was my favorite. It was like, we both know for a fact I'm the fool. I just revealed that. <laughs> but we know she's not the queen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I think it'd be a lot more, f in, in that party setting with the larger group, when you're just messing around and nobody cares about who wins, this game is pretty great. Yeah. So we had a chance this week to play Cosmic Encounter. All of us had played before, but Dan hadn't gotten a chance yet. And if you haven't played Cosmic Encounter yet, it's a great game. It's really um, interactive, very thematic. Um, it allows a lot of different play styles based upon the alien powers. So the game starts with you randomly picking two alien cards, and then out of those two cards, you get to pick, choose one of those aliens, and that will be your race and your special power throughout the game. Now, those alien powers really are the core of this game because they offer you such diverse different powers. And even if you just get the base core set of the game, there's a huge number of different aliens. The expansions kind of double, triple, quadruple the game. You'll have a really large stack of different alien powers to choose from. And it's really a lot of fun. So you'll have your alien power. You'll get a hand of cards that'll be consist of attack value cards, negotiate cards, flares, which are some special powers. You'll also get artifacts. So there's a lot of different um, types of cards you'll get. When the game starts, there'll be a Destiny deck. The Destiny deck will flip over cards, and that will tell you which player you'll be attacking that round. So there's no kind of animosity of like, oh yeah, I'm going to attack this person three or four times. The Destiny deck tells you who you'll be attacking. Once that attack card is chosen, you will choose the number of ships you want to send into um, to attack the other player. That person will have their planet with their number of ships that they're defending with. Then you'll call for allies. So the attacker will call for allies. The defender will call for allies. And then you'll play a card. Once again, this card could be an attack card. It could be a negotiate card. And then you'll also have modifiers and other cards to play that will um, alter who wins that round. So you, you add up the numbers based upon who allied with you, who allied with your defender. And if you win, as the attacker, you'll get that colony planet, which will give you one towards your five, five total colonies for victory. If you lose, your ships go into the warp, which is never a good thing, but you'll get them out as the game goes on. So pretty much, in a nutshell, that's Cosmic Encounter. First to five wins the game. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, I mean, um, now you mentioned it's the first to five wins the game. Here's what makes it very weird. When you aid in the attackers, your guys also go on that planet. So you might have, like, five different ships on your planets, and it's kind of funny seeing them all jammed up in there in, like, a little overpopulated disc. The thing that threw me for a loop the first time I played this was Fantasy Flight remade this game, and I didn't know about the original. So I love Fantasy Flight, and I know Fantasy Flight is generally like, you have no friends. Everything in the world is something you hate, because <laughs> only one person can win. And if it's not you, that means you're a loser. This game, four out of six people won, and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> so it's an interesting game in the regards of you can team up with people, and you can all win. It's not just like, well, it's my turn, so I'm the guy that won. That's the thing that threw me off the first time I played this. So when I'm like, what do you mean I'm one of the only people that didn't win? How did this happen? I don't get what, you know. But, it, I mean, after, like, looking it over, I realized you were saying it's, like, an experience game. Sure. And it is really fun. Kim went from being in last place by leaps and bounds. Like, people are at three and four, and she was still on the one. And she was just getting in on attacks, and she just moved up that meter. No one even noticed it. And she was one of the, the four winners, which was awesome. You know, it's a game where the turnaround could be really, really fast. And those alien races are awesome. You know, it's, um, 
I think the best is Rob described it as every race has something that completely breaks the game in some way. And that <laughs> yeah. was the greatest way to view it. It's like, ooh, I like breaking rules. <laughs> yeah, and there's like a hundred of them, so you're getting something different all yeah. the time. Yeah, that stack was insane. Yeah. I think he had like two or three of the expansions or something, he said. I think he had all the expansions. Yeah, yeah that was crazy. And we weren't playing with any of the, like, the on-table components of the expansions, like the space station. Yeah, sure. There's also technology, which, you think, Dan, you didn't get a chance to play, at, play with, but that's really another great feature where you get a choice, you put your technology out, and you put ships on it to build that technology, and it gives you some special benefit. Oh, it's a lot awesome. of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because uh, at first I viewed it as a aim-to-win game, but now that like I have a better grasp of like it's more of just like clown-around game, Yeah. Like I'm looking forward to playing it again. I actually want to try some of those other components, too. I'm glad, because you did not look happy. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> you, you had that munchkin look on your face <laughs> at the end of that game. Well, you almost won. You, you were one, I think you were one, to you played TikTok. Yeah. And you were one battle away. And actually, if, if I had a cosmic zap, so I zapped your power, if I didn't zap your power, you and Nick would have won that game. I wish the name of that card instead of zap was Kaflui. Because <laughs> that's, that's what it feels like when you get hit by It happened like three times, though. I think Kim and I both threw something at you oh, guys. That was, yeah, that was hysterical. Because me and Nick were like getting up to like you know cheer, and both of you were like, bam, no. It was a card zap, right? Yeah, and I mean, we fought against them, and then Chris just went, ah, let me get in on this. And he <laughs> shut down my shutdown to your shutdown. I was like, well, that's horrible. Yeah. It can be a little like Munchkin like that. Yeah. But oh, you think you're doing that? No, you're not. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's just like across the board, it was like, there was a lot of funny moments, which, and the, my favorite, hands down, with the TikTok is, uh, the way that race plays is, you get eight counters, anytime somebody defends or negotiates, you remove one. Once they're all gone, you just win instantly right there. And as soon as the first counter went away, I just hear at the other side go, tick. <laughs> and then a few <laughs> minutes later, Kim successfully defends, I remove a counter. <laughs> so it was kind of nice like feeling like I had my personal doom counter on the side <laughs> I was keeping an eye on I think everybody was though I think that's the reason you got kind of dinged harder yeah everybody knows TikTok and they're like he's gonna win because of stupid counters and and the other thing in this game that's uh, a little interesting too is these negotiation cards where you can just be like somebody's attacking you and you're like ah, I'll negotiate let's just put a couple of ships on each other's planets and you'll both move up on the track and it was weird, because you were playing as the Void, where your special power was when you beat people, they disappear forever. And you, I remember you were attacking like Chris or something, I'm like, oh man, he's going to lose those ships for good! And all of a sudden, you were just like, ah, negotiate, negotiate, alright, let's switch two, cool, done. It's like, what's going on? You're the Void! Like, the all-consuming mass of darkness! You know, yeah, <laughs> took a day off, why not? <laughs> yeah, I don't think I used my power in that game. Not yeah. once ever. The Void's hard to use, though. I know, it was so sad. I wanted to see people go, no! <laughs> I didn't use my power either. I think some of the alien powers do put a target on you, and some are mm. a little more complicated, and some are just like, just gives you kind of a basic bonus. And what's nice, though, is even though they put a target on you, like, people may block you out a little sure. by going, well, no, you don't get to join me in this attack. But it's cool that even if they don't let you ally up with them, you still have that option. And then you can always just pitch yourself to the defender, going, all right, well, you know, I'm not invading your world, so you don't want to lose it, so let's do this. Sure. So I like that you can play both sides of the fence. Like, it's really fun. And Kim's alien race was awesome because she had the power to whine. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Sniffles, I think it was. Sniveller. Like, sniveller? Yeah, yeah, it was a sniveller. And I couldn't wait to use my power, but... I didn't know that you had to use your power on your turn only, so when I found that out, I was kind of bummed, but when it got to my turn, I used it, and I think uh, one of it was, 
I can just complain and say, oh, I don't have an attack card that's above 20. And if somebody has it, I can take it for them. Or if he, the person doesn't give it to me, everyone has to discard cards. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah, yours was pretty cool. Yeah. And the thing that was so funny is she's when she did that, like, the, I don't have an attack of higher than 20, Nick handed it to her, and then when her attack came up, the person she was just going against was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was me, actually. Some, yeah, I, I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> but, yeah, the game is, it is, a, like you said, Chris, a very experienced game, but... Yeah, I remember Earl broke this out a long time ago, and uh, big thanks to him, because he always has a good eye for good games, and you really have to enter this game as, it's an experience. If you got a good power, you get a lucky with a Destiny deck, it's a good game. Um, I think the first time Kim played, you, me, and Earl, and somebody else, I think... Mike Miley. Mike Miley played, and you and Earl had very similar powers, and me, I think Mike had, Mike had Virus, which meant that he oh, could multiply. No. Who was it? Israel. Was it Israel? Yeah, because I remember, uh, Earl was sitting across from me, then it was you and Israel, because we kept attack. I kept on attacking Earl, and I hardly kept on attacking you guys, because me and Earl, like, Earl can, like, only use, like, negotiate or something like that. Yeah, I... Turn cards. I had, um, I had the Pacifist, which is a pretty powerful card, a pretty powerful alien, because when you play negotiate, and someone plays an attack card, you win automatically. So that's cool. great. And then uh, Israel felt. had virus, which meant that he can multiply. So if he, instead of just adding one, it's a multiplication. So it's huge powers. And that's you and cool. Earl had like little tiny powers. And we were like, yeah, we're going to win this. One of us is going to win this. And then Kim somehow won within like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Me, and, me and Earl won. Oh, yeah. You we, had joint victory. We both victory. Ate it. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick, though, too. Yeah. It was weird. We kind of walked away from the table, like, yeah, this is, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, like, uh, yeah. I did it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and the one thing is, like, uh, it, it almost has, like, uh, like, that nothing personal mentality. Like, you can't take it against you. Like, if nobody's teaming up with you, that basically means, like, whatever your race is, like, you're, you're Unicron. Like, you're just going to destroy worlds. <laughs> so that's why people aren't teaming up with you, because they know in the end everyone dies on your side. So it's just like, you know, you just change your race and it's a whole new game. What you might yeah. like is one of the variants where you can play two alien races. So you get two powers. Oh, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Let's play where you get five. One for each planet. <laughs> <laughs> and if you lose that planet, you don't get to use that alien like power that. anymore. There you go. This game is designed for variants. But, like, I mean, that's the best thing in the world. You get those expansions. Like, you can just have it where, okay, we're going to draw from the top of this deck of races because there's 190 now. So that's like the only way you're ever going to see them all. Just be like, all right, pick five, choose one you like. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> so what you all think? Yeah, I mean, uh, even though my initial experience, like, experience with the game was uh, rough. Yeah. Very rough. All right, it was terrible. <laughs> well, you almost won. You were, you were one, yeah. one planet away and one TikTok away, so. But um, that being said, I mean, it's one of the few games where you can have it where only one person wins or everyone at the table wins all at the same time. So Absolutely. that's pretty cool. So I would definitely say try it out, you know, go into it lighthearted. Yeah, I kind of have to agree with you. It's it's good. You never really get those games where a group of people can win. Uh, usually you have, like, team games where a team can win, but this one, it's like someone that you've attacked one turn, next thing you know, you both won the game, and there's, like, no animosity between you two. Yeah, like you both share cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the cake is your planet. <laughs> this this is a... I think this is a good, lighthearted game. If people get easily offended... Uh, um, offended by certain things stay away from this game because well one it's... of the good things is you have the destiny deck so you don't get to choose who you attack which is nice exactly but yeah. if you get it something where like uh 
Who say, you ally with. Or yeah, exactly. Yeah. And someone would be like, oh, why would you ally with him? You had dinner with me last night. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you can see people doing that. So it's like, if you if you kind of get like a, a little offended, like, you know, you got to be careful with this game because you don't want to offend your friends and you don't want to play with somebody who gets sure. easily offended. Yeah, it's definitely a friends game. That's I guess that's how it falls into that experience category. You know, something straight strategy, you just play for... You set your strategy, you follow it through to the end of the game, and if you had a better one than someone else, you win. That doesn't really work in Cosmic Encounter. <laughs> Which, is, you know, to be honest, it's one of the reasons I like it. It's different every single time you play. Because even if you get the same alien one time, yeah. someone, not everybody else is. Yeah, exactly. It's never going to be the same four, five, six on the table. And, uh, I don't know, I enjoy it. I haven't even played with all the extra stuff yet. I've just played the base game a few times. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I got a chance to play with the technology once. Um, since we keep playing with new players, I think um, Earl and Rob and George, they haven't wanted to bring out the extra components to it. But they're real fun. The expansion recently released with space stations and that kind of attach around, around the planet, which is really a nice uh, twist for the game. Love this game. Um, kind of surprised I do, like you said, Dan. So it's a lot of fun it's always hard to make an alien game like what does an alien look like you yeah. know oh a dwarf an elf like yeah it's pretty simple token kind of carry, covered all that so you got a really nice diversity of aliens and diversity of alien powers it's definitely a play it's almost a buy um, just because I would have to find a, a crowd to actually play that consistently because you do have so many aliens that you could play this game for years and as Anthony said you wouldn't get a chance to play all of the aliens yeah, I, that's actually one of quick last note. Um, with the artwork on the different races, like you said, like you know, you figure it would just be constantly like big green head and big black eyes. Yeah. Some of the races look awesome. Some of them almost even look like steampunk. You know, there's just like sure. all these different art styles. Like I was like, is that like a like a horse with a bus for a head and like you no know, robo wings? Are, and they're like, yeah, that's your race. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I picked mine because it looked like a pig. <laughs> Wait, it looked like a mix of pig and snuffleupagus. What was the one, Space the one time we played? It was, I think you had the parasite, and I had pacifist. Yeah. But the parasite's card, he was on the pacifist's yes. head. <laughs> controlling, <laughs> controlling the pacifist. Awesome. That is awesome. And there's a card with one of the, one, you would like this, Kim. It's like, a, it looks like a little, um, I don't know, what the heck, like a little stuffed bear or something. It's the loser. And. So his power is when he loses, he wins. So, That's but, awesome. But one of his, but he's a super adorable, these big eyes. He looks, looks like, like a, a Care Bear? He looks like a Care Bear slash Koala Bear, but there's one of the cards, which is like this monstrous alien, and he has like, you translucent body so you can see his stomach. The loser is inside his stomach. <laughs> so it's like, I know, I thought that was that too. That's awesome. And yeah. the one thing that I love is on the top of the alien race cards, they give you a quick summarization of like the alien's powers. Yeah. So, like, for the Void, it's, like, consumes everything. For, like, Chris's, it was, like, you know, dominates worlds. For TikTok, you said, game goes faster. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, humans? Mostly yeah, harmless. Yeah, mostly harmless. <laughs> and then there are powers, like, if they have a weak card, they get, like, plus four to attack right. or something. <laughs> Put humans in that yeah. place. Yeah. I like mine. If you, if you whine, you can get your way. There like. you go. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's Cosmic Encounter. Hopefully, the next time around, Dan has more fun. But I think he will. I think... This is a good game, especially if you have the right mindset for it. Yeah, and I'm actually looking really forward to playing it in Extra Life, so yeah, I'm, I'm cool. jonesing for it. So we played a bunch of other stuff this week, uh, but a lot of stuff we played before. Um, like, I got a game in a Ticket to Ride. It's the first time I played since a tournament. That was a lot of fun. Um, I had this great route. It was supposed to go, I think, from Seoul, St. Marie, all the way to Phoenix, and I had to go all the way back around because I got blocked. Literally every single one of my trains, like the last train, I got to Phoenix. 
It's like it won by like two points. It's like a 97-hour train ride because it has to go around the earth to get to your location. Yeah, people are like, what are you doing? I have no idea what you're doing with your trains. I'm like, I'm winning the game. <laughs> so that was fun. Finally got that out. It's the first time in a long time. Um, you know, we got Cosmic Encounter. I get to play Heroclix for the first time. That was a lot of fun. And you did well. You you placed. You got a prize, which is always cool. Yeah. And I was literally learning during the tournament, yeah. which might have annoyed the people I was playing against. But you had team probability control, which is yeah, always I fun. <laughs> it's like, I hit you, ball again. I hit you, ball again. I hit you, ball again. Stop doing that. <laughs> Stop making me... Up to four times, and the people are like, okay, so you used them up, right? I'm like, no, I got like three more. What the heck, man? <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. Um, ex- with the exception of the team base guy who just obliterated everybody. It was pretty even. On yeah. that stage from one of the... Uh... Yeah, like the rock concert stage. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing that's, like, always fun about miniature games, where you're like, all right, I think I have a handle on this, and then somebody just drops down this gigantic piece, and you're like, wait, what's happening? What's going on? And the guy that had that was just destroying everybody. It was it was brutal to see people playing against him. Yeah, it was pretty. He was even apologizing. But I, to be fair, I think he thought that's what the event was supposed to be. Yeah, it was. And nobody else brought one. Yeah, so. it was originally planned for that, and they changed it last moment. And he was like, "Well, this is all I bought with me." So. And what was funny is uh, when they were mentioning first, pl- uh, first, pl- uh, first prize, who won like first prize. Everyone just knew who it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, do we have to tell you? Yeah. <laughs> With 8,000 <laughs> <This guy>. points. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, you always know you have something really good when people are leaving the table and you have to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I beat you so badly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I killed everyone. <laughs> yeah, it matters, which is good. Yeah, it was good. So that was fun. I just, you finally got me to it. It was fun. The finally, finally, finally got Waterdeep back to the table. Yeah, so. now, now we reviewed the Lords of Waterdeep expansion in our first episode, right? Now, there's always, like, that honeymoon phase of things. The first couple of months you try out something, you know, it's always great. Now, Chris, I know the other day you were saying, you're just sick of looking at my face. Anthony, I know you said you're just disgusted with the podcast. You know, the honeymoon's over. (laughs) (laughs) And it's understandable, because sometimes it happens. I don't remember this. Were we drinking? (laughs) I'm pretty sure it was during my blackout phase, yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) So the question is, now that the honeymoon phase is over with the Lords of Waterdeep, and we got to touch base with it again, like, how do you feel about it? Was it just as fun as before? Do you you feel yourself, like, jonesing to play it? Yes. I love this game. No, it was great. When you finally... Because you've brought it with you a few times, and we just don't have a lot of time to play. As you know, we're getting in new games, we're trying out stuff, especially for playing with new people, putting the Extra Life event together. So I think it was like I don't know, ten thirty. You're like, we could get one more in. I'm like, yeah, forget it. I'll stay up late. I don't care. We got to play this game. So plus, we got to play with six people. Yeah, the first time that was fun, and that made it really interesting. And it was, it is such a good game. I mean, it's one of those few games that I always want to go back to. I've heard people sometimes say that the theme is a little pasted on, or it's only so-so, it's not too deep. I mean, that may be the case, but it's still so good. I mean, it's just a fun experience. Kim was once again going for her, if I have 700 gold at the game, maybe I can just win on those victory points strategy, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> you like two quests for 40 and then like 80 gold. We had no money at the end of the game left in that bank. Yeah, because yeah. she had, I think she got 27 bonus points or something at the like end. 20 bonus points. Yeah, but only two of them were from cubes. Everything else was money. <laughs> she just had so much money. And it was hysterical to see. We were like, all right, well, you know, you're doing something different. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and those expansions really do add a lot. I would unquestionably, if you have Lords of Waterdeep, if you haven't played it for a while, get the Scoundrels of Skullport. Give it a go. It's going to breathe so much more life into the game, especially like those, uh, the new additional like um, entry cards. And those buildings. Some of those new buildings are so cool. 
Yeah. And get get the hard coins and D&D deeples. And <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm on the, the Dragon Coin for Kickstarter. And, I mean, they're not going to come out until, like, about April of next year. Hopefully they'll be in before PAX East. Ooh. So I can bring those with the Lords of Waterdeep. But yeah. That's going to make that game, like, a, at least twice a month game once we're, like, cling, 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 cashing in our quests. So we played with the six people. We played with uh, George, Drew, and Casey, and then the three of us. And so it's the first time we've done six full players. And uh, Chris got left out. It was sad. <laughs> Well, Chris was too busy blowing up uh, the the Federation or Alliance or whatever in his attack wing and Star Wars, man, Star Wars. <laughs> it's the same. Thing. Once you go past it's not the, same the thing. Rebel Alliance, I'm telling you right now, once you leave the domain of like elves and swords and spells, I don't know. I just <laughs> Star Wars is fantasy, space fantasy. There's no bows and arrows. There's no. There's spells. wizards. Is wizard? Tis wizard. Tis Jedi are. They're not wizards. Tis wizard. They're basically wizards. They're just telepathic. I've never, Superhumans. And I've never seen them conjuring. Isn't that what a wizard is? No, a wizard uses spells and Mage Wars. Force mage? Yeah, the force, force mage is basically a Jedi. He's it's a like, Jedi. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, she actually has swords that just float around on their own slashing at people, <laughs> so she is Jedi. Anyways, Lords of Waterdeep, I, I think we can all agree, it's just an amazing game. Chris, I know you didn't get to play it on that last game, and we we're very sorry for that. Boo hiss. I know it is boo hiss, but <laughs> what it's worth, I think that's going to go back into the bag for a permanent bring. So we will definitely make sure we we absolutely positively save you a seat at the table for the next game. <laughs> that's what this podcast is all about, Dan. And yet there was not a seat at the table. Well, you weren't there to say the catchphrase, so that's why we just left. <laughs> <laughs> but like, we feel like we should do something. I don't know what it is, so let's just play. Oh, and that's one other thing I got to note that was great. We were so happy to be playing again. We didn't deal out the initial quest cards. We didn't deal out entry. We didn't choose lords in Lords of Waterdeep. We're like, okay, I'm going here. Wait a minute. We're supposed to be doing this for a reason. And then we went back. See what happens when you play without me. All we had was money. And that was because we have the dragon coins. So when they went cling, 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 we remembered those. Everything else was forgotten about. That's a, that's a strange variant, Dan. Yeah, it was like we were just so happy. We're like, we're playing Lords of Waterdeep. And then nothing else meant to anything. It literally was like that, too. <laughs> Trucks? From across the room, people were like, Lord's Water Deep, what are you doing? <laughs> and a crowd of people come like, can I play? Is there space? I want to play. That was the other thing that blew me away, too. Everyone was like, oh, man, I haven't played this in ages. And you're still not going to play it for ages. Sorry, we already got six. They need to make a 12-player variant. Seriously. <laughs> 14 hours that of Water Deep. too long. Too long of a game for that. Too long. Yeah. All right, so while we were playing Water Deep, Chris was playing uh, Star Wars X-Wing miniatures and so that's going to be our feature review today uh combined with attack wing because he's been tearing it up in a tournament lately so uh that's coming up right next and now for the feature review so now on to our full review of star trek attack wing and star wars x-wing miniature game all right (laughs) It's, it's kind of the same game yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So we're going to take a look at this review a little bit differently. Um, we are board gamers, card games, dice games. We don't come from this from a miniature perspective, but we're really interested in miniature games. So Star Trek Attack Wing and Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures game offers us a little entry into this gameplay that we haven't had a chance to get involved with yet. So for both games, Star Trek Attack Wing actually plays off the original license mechanic that came from Star Wars and 
it's pretty much the same game in a lot of aspects. Now, don't get me wrong, there is a lot of little rules, ships, actions, abilities that make each system a little bit distinct and a little bit special, but as a basic overview, if you haven't played these miniature games before, like we haven't, what you're looking at is you're going to have a force of ships or a fleet of ships, and you're going to put together a certain point value. For most games, you're going to look at 100 total points for the game. Now, how you get to 100 points is each ship has a card that goes along with it, and on that card it will tell you how many points towards the 100 that ship is worth. So, you can pick some of those big ships, like the Enterprise, or you can pick the Millennium Falcon, which is going to cost a lot of points, or you can pick the smaller ships that are less points. Now, this goes, part, this goes into your strategy for the game. Are you going to pick these big beefy ships that are going to come in and have a lot of weapons and a lot of crew? Or are you going to pick these smaller ships that are going to swarm and attack your enemy from all different sides? Each game allows you to equip the ship with different characters, heroes, weapons, and abilities. For Star Wars, your ship is going to be a named ship and it's going to have your captain on there. Or for the Star Trek Attack Wing, you could have an unnamed ship, it's just one of the general ships there, or a named ship, you can, ha you can actually have the Enterprise ship, the Constitution class, or the Galaxy class, and you can crew that with anyone you want. So it can be Picard, or it can be Kirk, or it can be any of the other characters from the diverse universes that Star, Star Trek and Star Wars come into play. Now, what's fun about this game is you can actually build together a really interesting build that will do a couple of things together. The ships actually benefit off each other with some of their um, beneficial abilities supporting each other. So you'll pick your ships, you'll pick your crew, your special abilities, your special weapons, and then you'll place them on a board. Now for each of these games you'll have a setup for the game. So it could be a 3 by 3 board or a special setup depending on the objectives. Each game also comes with a certain set of objectives so you can actually play toward a certain goal. Most of the time you're just going to play one versus one and the object of the game is to destroy the other miniatures team on the other side. If by chance you don't destroy them all before the time runs out, whoever has taken the most cards, destroyed the most ships on the other side, gains the most points and that will act as a tiebreaker in the game. So what's really unique and interesting about this game is all the ships are really well done, crafted to kind of match the thematic universe, whether it's the movies, the TV shows, or the comics. And the ships are all painted, which is really nice, so you don't have to deal with that um, typical miniature situation where you got this really beautiful sculpt, but now you have to go back and paint it. Now, don't get me wrong, if, you, if you're a great painter, like Anthony is, this isn't actually a thing for you. But for myself, I don't have the time to put into painting, so it's nice to have the miniatures already painted. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. So you'll, play, you'll have your fleets, you'll, push your, you'll place your ships out on, on the board, and then you'll have these movement templates. So instead of the miniatures, which usually have these tape measures that they use to determine if they can attack and how far they can move, you'll have these templates, which will be ranging probably from one to six, and you'll have short forwards, you'll have turns, you'll have reverses, a whole number of different selections. You'll actually have a little selection dial that you'll select secretly um, during the planning phase, you'll pick your move, you'll place it down, and then depending on the order, you'll show it face up, you'll take that template, 
put it on the front of your ship, pick up your ship, move it to the other end of the template, and that will be your move. Now at this point, you'll pick your action. Now depending on your crew, your ship, and your abilities, you'll get to play an action that benefits your ship. That is if, if you haven't run into an asteroid or stressed your ship in some way. So you'll pick your action, so that action will give you an additional movement, additional defense dice, or an attack die, something to kind of add a little flavor to the game based upon the ship that you're playing as. Once you do that, you'll determine if you're in range of your enemy. If you are, you might get a benefit attack die if it's very close range, or your enemy might get an additional defense die if it's far range. Now once again, your cards will tweak this a little bit. You will then, at that point, roll your attack dice. So you'll have these red dice, and on the dice they will have hits, they will have criticals, and they will have other things such as either a focus or a battle station, depending on which system you're playing. And the defense will roll their defense dice. And once again, they'll have their evades and whatever's thematic for their universe. You'll determine who gets the hits, if the hits go through the shields, and the damage that they take. So if they take normal damage, that will take away shields or take away hull. If you get critical hits on their hull, they'll actually do additional damage. And you have this little stack of damage cards. You flip it over, and it'll actually state in text what actually happened to your ship. It might incapacitate your crew. It might do something to your attack dice or your movement dice. Very thematic, a lot of fun. Last person standing with the most ships or the most crew or the most equipment remaining wins that game. And that is Star Trek Attack Wing. An X-Wing miniatures game. So Anthony, we had a chance to play through this. And as we've been talking about on the podcast, I've had an opportunity to play through the tournaments, which has been really fun and different for me because I'm usually not into that kind of highly competitive gameplay, especially playing with miniatures. You see these guys come in with these huge sets, drop about 40 pounds of metal on a table <laughs> it's awesome it's amazing it's so thematic it's like you just kind of go over and then you drool and like wow this is really really immense so we're playing a really scaled down version of miniatures um what are your feelings about these games i think that's awesome i mean one of the main things that always kept me away from warhammer war machine anything like that is the huge investment and not just the cash the time you know you can't just i like the rules too you have to paint your stuff like and I like to paint, but when I need to paint 20 or 30 miniatures out of the box, that's it's too much. I don't want to. I like other board games. I like other stuff. This miniature game is made for board gamers, and like miniature gamers probably love it too. It's very accessible. Like if you get the base box, not only is it, it in a, you know it's affordable, it's like forty dollars, but you could play a simple scaled down base game in like 15 or 20 minutes and learn how the system works. And that's what I really liked about uh, X-wing when I picked it up. It's super fast. It's super easy. But then if, you, if you're into miniature games or if you really like this game, you want to scale it out, there are so many ways to do it. There's you know, waves of expansions. There's cards. You can equip different things. You can build out your armies in different ways. You can make thematic armies. You can play with multiple people through different objectives. It's, there are so many different ways to make the game more complicated and more fun, and yet you don't have to. It's not, you don't have to throw 300 points on a board and play for six hours and, you know, mortgage your house to afford all your miniatures it's it's just that accessible sure there it has a low level of everything that a miniature player in a miniature game would have so you can throw down a lot of money trying to pick up multiple ships putting together a certain strategy picking up multiple cards picking up all the little extras um 
So it does have that little bit of an addictive danger to it. So you gotta oh, yeah. you gotta keep an eye on that too, especially if you if you're a fan of the theme. Yeah, I mean, um, like our friend Sean, when he opened his box, he had multiples of every ship. He had like you know like eight tie bombers and six, and I'm like, what is going on with this? Because I didn't know it was possible to have that many guys on the board for it. But just like the other games, it, since it's a point build army game, if somebody goes, hey, let's play a 300 point army, you can have squadrons of ships. Yeah. You know, you can have a dozen guys on your side of the board if you want to go that high. Now, one thing is, Chris, you were mentioning, like, the competitive gaming area. I played, like, a lot of Magic in the past. I had friends that, like, played, like, you know, like, the Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon games and all that stuff. And those games were always on a system of, well, I have $10,000. I'm going to get the best <laughs> of all Planeswalkers and every single land available. I, I actually enjoy these miniature-style games a bit more because of that point system. Like, you know, Heroclix works on a similar way. Where you can go for an unbelievably powerful guy, but that doesn't mean you win. Like, even if you have a $60 piece or something on the board, like that rarer or harder-hitting guy, doesn't mean you're going to win the game, because someone else can have a very diverse team that can handle swarms and powerhouses. So, the desire to, like, keep trying to change your army, oh, let me try out these weapons, I'm going to switch all my captains, let me try another 20 points of captains... It can really change how the game plays for you, and that's always a huge bonus. Like, anytime you can get a massive replay factor without the same, like, all right, well, now I'm just rolling dice and same thing. Like, I love that level of customization. It's a really good feature. It reminds me of being a kid, and you, you would have these little toys, what, you know, Star Wars toys or Star Trek toys, and you always wanted to, you know, fight against each other and kind of swing around, and it really gives you that kind of experience, which is nice. Yeah, like, you know, you have the G.I. Joe guy with the pistol, and you're like, no, I'm giving him the bazooka and the wetsuit now. <laughs> I think that's the exact thing that went through my head when I saw the Star Wars, yeah. the X-Wings. I was just like, I get to play as the X-Wing. Sure. You know, and there's video games that let you do that. Some of the, you know, my best memories as a kid were playing Starfighter, or Star Star Wars X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Sure. That was a lot of fun. Um, it feels like that on the board. But, like, you know, like we're saying, it's super accessible. You know, and some of the ways they make it simpler is, you know, you don't have to have a, a tape measure, for example. They have all these pre-measured sticks. You just put them down. There's two notches in the front of the base, and you just move it to the other side of the, the stick. It's very simple like that. Uh, there aren't 600 different modifiers. Like, even Heroclix, it's accessible, but the booklet to learn all the different things you can do is, like, 10 pages long. You know, and even playing against people who have played it a lot, they don't even... They conflict on the rules, X-Wing has, like, you know, five or six things you can do, plus some cards, but yeah. it's not... You don't have to memorize, like, 900 things. And that's the other thing, too. It's, like, this game, I can see it being where it can end up having a thousand different options as time goes on. Sure. But what's nice is with everything being printed on the card, it's always easily accessible. You don't have to constantly consult a rule book or a codex or, you know, like, oh, well, on page 117, chapter 2, clearly notes, like... It's just then and there, and it, that's a huge bonus for games like this. It, it really does open up that accessibility. Sure, absolutely. It's, it's a lot of fun, and it's definitely something that someone like myself who's never played a miniature game, you can play this, get get yourself a you know, put get your foot wet, but not have to jump all the way in with the expense, yeah. the time, and then like you said, having memorized an almanac, like, I have 35 guys here. Each of the guys have a different power. This guy does this with this guy and does that guy and that guy, this guy, and then I carry the four and I add, you know, alpha and omega and then he attacks. Yeah, I mean, I could see the only thing that could be dangerous with games like this is I can see it where it gets maddening 
where when you start to build up your collection and you're trying to build that 100 point arm, you're like, all right, well, I want to use this captain, but if he's <laughs> seven points, I can't use this weapon system, so maybe I. So I can see where you can actually start to get that over time. Yeah, I could see competitive play being pretty stressful. I know sure. you've been in a tournament and you were saying it was, you know, intense, if nothing else. Yeah, I think the, th- the thing that really kind of stands out is when you're placing those templates and when you move your ships, this game really comes down to the movement. So you could have the best strategy in the world, play the best tactics in the world, but, you know, a, mil- a millimeter here and there, depending on if you could hit somebody or if you miss somebody, makes the entire game. So when you're placing your ships, when you're moving the templates, if it's even so slightly bumped, it radically changes the game. And, and that's the one thing. Like, originally I viewed that as a huge negative, going, yeah, but, I mean, if I don't get to put it down before I decide, then how do I know if that's enough? But I guess that, like, helps stimulate that space deal. You know, space is infinite. You don't you don't get to really go, oh, I'm sure he's 100 meters away. You know, so I sure. do like the fact that you do have that system of you just kind of got to hope. Because it was once or twice where, like, I saw you and I was like, oh, he's in my line of sight. And it was just tiny, tiny, like, the just. thickness of a grain of rice off. I'm like, oh, swing and a miss. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like lasers continue throughout the universe. I mean, sure they do, but not in this game. <laughs> I mean, the one thing that is kind of funny, though, is you were mentioning, like, the obstacles and everything. Sure. Like, some of the terminology where it's like, oh, Anthony is stressed because he bumped into a planet. Yeah. You know, it's because it's obstacles. It's not yeah. just like if you hit a planet, you explode. But every so often, it kind of leads to those funny things, like, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, the Enterprise, you know, accidentally knocked off into this moon. Yeah, I think there's always going to be funny stuff, though, when you take something that's supposed to take place in space. Yeah, multi-dimensional and put it in two-dimensional space. Like, this planet is, you know, it's two centimeters thick. It's not... Well, yeah, I mean, it's like the nature, like you were saying, it's a little more akin to board games than others. So, like, when you play a board game, it's like, no, your wizard can't use a fireball because there's this corner. It's like, he's a wizard. He defies reality. (laughs) (laughs) Because he can't see it, he can't do it. Line of sight, man, line of sight. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, like, things like that are pretty funny in this game, too. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It is a game of ma- a matter of millimeters, so yeah. it can get maddening in that way, too, and people take that very personally. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful, as I learned. Don't bump it. Don't bump <laughs> Don't bump the table. That or, like, if you put it down, like, what are you doing? It has to go exactly in the notch. You're cheating. Like, I'm just not knowing you're what I'm cheating. doing. <laughs> you're assuming this is going to help me in any way. <laughs> it's like, I think you're confusing, like, you know, uh, bad intent with just general, like, you know, lack of knowledge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so we are talking about both games because yes. the base system is basically the same, but there have been some changes made. Um, you know, on the table, if you like one of these themes more than the other, that makes your decision pretty easy. If you really like Star Wars, like I do, get X-wing. If you really like Star Trek, like Chris, get Star Trek. But if say you like both equally, or you could care less, um, there are a couple differences when they converted it over to Star Trek that they made a few changes. Uh, first, obviously, all the terminology is a little different. Not everything, but there are a few things. For example, um, in attack wing, you take evasive maneuvers, whereas in X-wing, you evade. you'd evade. Yeah. Um, there's battle stations versus focus, which is a different mechanic. It's the exact same mechanic, but it uses different words. Um, come about versus K-turn. So these things are going to pop up. So if you've played one and you assume you know the other one, read the book real quick because some of the terms are going to be different. There are... Um, other things that are a little bit different, like in attack wing, you can actually attack ships when your bases are touching, which you can't do in X-Wing. Um, so if you bump into each other, it's going to stress you, but then you can still fire at them. So that's interesting. Um, 
the movement is actually different. In attack wing, it's a little bit further, the range. Yes. Um, I know they said in the base it, there weren't anything that moved that fast. I don't know if in the first wave of expansions they have sixes yet. No, I have, I've only seen fives. Um, I know there's one of the ships, I think it's the Cardassian ship, that moves five, and then you can take an action to move an additional one or two. Okay. Um, but you're talking these systems, and we should mention this, um, the base that comes out and you have enough to play. So when you get the box whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, you're ready to play. Um, there's not a lot of ships in it, but it's enough to play two players. But there is wave, there's different waves and different expansions, so every week or every month, depending on the system, um, how it's kind of coming out at that point, you, there is new ships. So you will see in a box just a single ship, and it'll have cards, it'll have tokens, it'll have little chits in it that go along with that character. So you might want to collect for just the ship alone or the cards or once again the chits, and that will influence the play. So you'll be able to get more and more ships and things like that as time goes on. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's different, it seems like both companies are taking different tacks to how they expand. WizKids just volume. They have a lot of stuff. Sure. Um, whereas Fantasy Flight, it's a little less, but they have some bigger ships, like the Millennium Falcon or Slave One or the Lambda Shuttle. Sure. I haven't yeah. seen anything really big yet come out for Star Trek. Um, but that's the other part of it, too. Attack Wing has those capital ships. They're small, but they're supposed to be capital ships, where X-Wing is a lot more dogfighting. There are a lot more dogfighting, yeah. The uh, TIE Interceptors, for example, are really fast, but they don't do a lot other than that. Yeah, yeah, and also with X-Wing, like you mentioned, those larger ships have a huge arc of firing. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm sure the scale like works out somewhat similar to the smaller ships, because it's all about angles. But when you look at that base, you're just like, man, I can hit anything with this. Yeah, but you can't maneuver. Yeah. That's the thing. We learned, like, Kim was trying to maneuver her Lambda shuttle around, and you just you basically go in a circle, and then the smaller ships just, like, dart around you and fire yeah, at you. Yeah, and they, they flank you and everything. And, that I mean, that was what was really rough for us. Like, our first game, we just got destroyed so fast. Like, you know, it's like, my turn, I move forward three. Okay, I go, I move forward, I shoot you. You blow up, you're done. Okay. And then Kim was left, like, with this huge vessel that was awesome, but everyone on the opposing side was all small, speedy ships, and she had nowhere to go. Yeah, I think in that one especially, if we'd been flanking the larger ship to keep it safe but then give it that wider firing arc, it could have worked for us pretty well. Yeah, so, I mean, like, strategies are something you definitely have to develop in this game. And if you're playing teams, you know, uh, you have to really effectively communicate. You can't just go, all right, I think this will work. Sure. You know. And it's definitely memorizing those templates so you can visualize it when you play the game. Like, if I move three... It's going to take me over here, not off the board, which would destroy my ship. Yeah, and also, like we mentioned, it's like when you move, you put the measuring from the front of your ship, and then when you move the ship on the stick, you put it at the end of the ship. So you may look at the one movement and go, it's not that much, but you got to remember, you're going from the front to the back of your ship. Sure. So sometimes you can actually bump into something without really expecting it to happen. So it's like a little thing, like you said, that... It, that getting used to the depth perception and the visualization is huge for these types of games. Yeah, especially if you're sitting down. Like, standing up almost helps you a little bit because you can look down at it and see the angles a little better. Yeah. No, I said I still wanted it to have those sticks, like in that episode of Battlestar, where you just slide them across. Push around. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be accurate, but it would be awesome. Oh, it would be the greatest game ever. Yeah. All right, so there's a few other changes. Uh, Tackwing has different variety of firing arcs, um, like the Enterprise Kim was using, for example. If you were close enough, it had a 360-degree arc. You're further away, it had a backwards facing arc. Um, the X Wing stuff doesn't do that as much. The in attack wing, you can disable shields, which is very useful because shields basically make it a lot harder to hit some of these ships. Um, in attack wing, you can sometimes disable the crew or the upgrades. 
which basically stops them from doing all their special abilities. A lot of them have some pretty cool stuff they can do. Rerolling dice. Um, you had Worf who could reroll all of your dice yeah. once per turn. That was pretty cool. And a lot of them have the modifiers, like you know, you add an extra defensive, you mm -hmm. reduce. Um, attack wing, there are more pilots, um, some secondary weapons, crews, and other upgrade cards. Yeah, because these are capital ships, so they can carry a lot more than an attack ship would be able to do. And it adds a lot more to the flavor. Yeah, absolutely. Because, it's, you know, you have an X-Wing, there's one pilot. That's it. You know, maybe an R2 unit, but sure. that's really all you got. Um, there, in Attack Wing, you really don't need multiples of many or any of the ships to play. Sure. It's not quite as, again, because ships are larger, they do a lot more. And they count up as a lot more points. Mm -hmm. And then cloaking is kind of a cool mechanic that they threw into Attack Wing, because it's not in Star Wars, it's not in that universe. Obviously, Klingons and Romulans can cloak. Yes. So in that, you actually disabled your shields, and you'll actually get a chance to roll more defense dice, plus four, which makes the Klingons and Romulans really, really hard to beat. Dan, you got a chance to play that. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting mechanic. I wish there was something where my ship actually went invisible. Like, I guess it's <laughs> to put down a few bases, and you have to guess which one my ship is actually on. Sure. But that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome, yeah. That would be, like, the most game-breaking mechanic ever. Yeah, <laughs> they actually have something very similar to that in uh, Star Trek Fleet Captains. You can do a sensor echo and kind of move out the two tokens, and you're going to have to go find out which one is the real one. That's awesome. That's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, one last thing that's different is that in Attack Wing, you can actually move backwards sometimes. Yes. And it's always going to stress you, but like I think the Enterprise can move up to two spaces backwards. Just great. Yeah, which is, you play this once, you'll see why that's so huge. And, and also, I mean, that's the thing that gives you an edge in this. Like, take, for example, the Enterprise. It wasn't the most agile ship. But if somebody starts dog-telling you, you can at least try to pull back a few squares and take a shot instead of just getting plugged and just hoping that you can have it stop at some point. Yeah. Otherwise, you just get chased around the planet, which is what started it happening. Um, I know some of the Star Wars ships, at least the landing shuttle, could stop. Yeah, it had a movement stop. Yeah. Yeah, so you could just sit there, but you couldn't move backwards. And there was stress, and you can't really do that a second time. So. Yeah. yeah, I wish I had, like, a rotate option when it stopped, though. Like, sure. Something like that, you know. Stop and rotate would be nice. I mean, that's the odd thing. That's always been an odd, interesting thing about especially for uh, Star Wars, because Lucas took those World War II dogfights, and that's what he incorporated for his um, space battles. So a lot of the swooping and diving, which you would never really need to do in space. Yeah, It was actually, if you ever watched Babylon 5, it was one of those things where they used to do space battles. Like, you're in space. You don't have to necessarily fly around. There's no wind there. You could just kind of, like, maneuver your ship across the X-axis. You can point up, you can point down, left, right. You don't really have to kind of swing around. That doesn't really make sense, because... It's lasers. It's not bullets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have to slow down for the G forces. That's about it. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. See if they ever made a BSG version in this game. I would love that the Vipers would be able to turn around on a dime. <laughs> That'd be fantastic. Because yeah. they ever they mentioned that so many times in the episodes, like in one point eight seconds. <laughs> yeah, if they do a third one of these, some random third company wanting to pick up a, I guess it'd be Fantasy Flight, but yeah, I mean, dude, if they ever made a Battlestar version, I would buy every single one day one. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> All right, so what do we think overall um, as the system as a whole and then, like, each individual game? Christopher Guild and Andrew Parks, and you remember Andrew Parks who did Canterbury we talked about last episode, did a great job with this game. Star Trek Attack Wing is very thematic and is such a difficult universe to be able to put together what are the powers of each ship, what is the text that really is thematic for each crew, each weapon, each ability. You're going to get a lot of flack from the fanboys, so they took on a tremendous, you know, task here and really accomplished something. 
I've seen a couple of people complain here and there on Board Game Geek, but the vast majority are really thrilled with this game. And personally, I think they did a great job. I'm a huge Deep Space Nine fan, and this current story arc, as far as the tournaments goes, is really playing out just like the show. The Define is out. Cisco's out. Who is the best captain ever? Um, feel free to flame about that, but he is. And uh, for Star Trek X-Wing Miniatures game, also another great game. You know, And really the difference that you see here is the difference in miniatures. Clearly, these are not the miniatures you're looking for. <laughs> um, my line, man. <laughs> the, the quality of the miniatures for X-Wing is outstanding. Now, for Tech-Wing, it's kind of a mixed bag. It's really a, kind of a poor paint job. It, does not, it doesn't have the detail of X-Wing. It doesn't have the quality of the sculpt of X-Wing. So, I own Star Trek Attack-Wing, but... I am always envious of the ships from X-Wing. Yeah, I mean, that's the only negative of WizKids. Like, I mean, I've been climbing around with Clicks and everything, and every so often, like, I'll get a couple of guys who, they're cross-eyed, or there's, like, a bit of paint smudged all over their face. Or, <laughs> like, WizKids, they, they make an interesting game, but their quality of component is not always top-notch. It's not, like, Fantasy Flight-style models where it's, you know, like, the top of the line. Sure. They get the job done, you know what it is. I mean, you look at it, you go, all right, that's the Enterprise, but... It's just a big, great blob. There's no like fine detail work on them. It's true. They do great tournaments, but they're, the quality of the miniatures is quite poor. And you're paying a, almost exactly the same amount of money, whether it's the X-Wing or the Attack Wing miniatures. And the X-Wing miniatures are quite by far superior in that way. So for the Attack Wing, just because the tournament support and it's more thematic and because you have... The crew, if you're a Star Trek fan at all, this is a buy. If you're not a Star Trek fan, but you really would like to get, you know, dip your toe into the miniature market, then I would also try, I would give this a play. You should really try this out. This is a nice, good, easy way to get started. All you have to do is get the base set. You don't have to get crazy into the system. It, there's a lot to buy if you actually go headlong into this, but it's a great game. As far as the Star, the Star Wars universe, I could see I could easily see you also buying this game if you are a Star Wars fan, but once again, if you're not a hardcore Star Wars fan, it's it's a play. It's something that you want to try out, you want to get some flavor into it, you really want to experience it, play with some friends, but it's really based upon how thematic you really want to want to kind of play into the universe. So, for the better miniatures, it's got to be X-Wing, for the better story and theme and cards, it's got to be Attack-Wing. So, uh, so Kim, since you ended up destroying me and Anthony, I'm sure that you already think the game is awesome. But I do. The that's, that's the reason why I actually like this game a lot. Because uh, usually that happens with me with games. If I win, I like the game a lot. And even, <laughs> <laughs> but, this game is great. I kicked you in the face. <laughs> but the funny thing is, even like the second time I play it and I lose, I'll still like it. Like I like that the feeling that I do have a chance of winning. Like There are some games where I would play... And no matter how many times I've played it, I just could never win it. And it's sometimes, like, different mechanics, like, I just don't like. This game was really interesting. I did like it a lot. Um, I don't mind about the miniature, the, the paint on the miniatures, because I could be always like, Hey, Anne, you, you can paint this, right? Yeah, you can paint over <laughs> it. I could even paint over it. But, um, when, uh, when we were going through it today it seemed to be really simple to learn. 
Like, there's more stuff that's going to be added on. Like, you can have more crew in your ships. You can add more ships to, to like, surround, like, your Enterprise. Uh, but besides that, like, you know, if you want to just play, like, a simple game, like, this is actually pretty fun and entertaining. So I would definitely like to play this again. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I enjoy the game. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I'm not going to really run out and get a set because each of you guys have the starter sets. So, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't mind picking up a miniature here and there throughout time, like just having a collective pool of things for us to use. Because the game is interesting, and it's the first completely open table game I've played. I've done, like, Dungeon Command and a few other grid-based style miniature games, but never one where, you know, you're using, like, the tape measure or the, you know, the curved sticks and everything else to figure out where you go. It was pretty cool. It was pretty simple. I do like the level of customization, because for a learning game, you can go, all right, we're just going to start with 50 points and then build up every time. So I do like that level. It seems like it's it's a smart mechanic that they used, and it's definitely something to give a, a run. And if you go to your local game store, even if none of your friends have this, if you go to your local game store and go, hey, can somebody teach me attack wing or cross wing, somebody's going to have to have it there. These like are two big properties for, someone, for nobody in a local game shop to not know what it is. Yeah, and there's always people kind of lurking, too, or just like waiting for somebody who wants to play. Like, you want to play this? All right, he has everything on the back. You should buy it. We're going to play it. We're going to tournament <laughs> next week. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, like, oh, can you teach me attack one? Give me five minutes. I'm going to set up the board right now. And then, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you'll definitely find someone to teach you, and it's a pretty good game. Game does take a lot of space up, so definitely visit your local game shop because I don't think many people have that kind of huge 3x3, three three, three if not, three, yeah. plus the actual t actual extra table space you'll need to lay out your cards and miniatures. That's tough, yeah. Um, I love this game. Like, I like it a lot. Um, I don't know. For me, it's always been Star Wars, like thematically. So I'm, I'm skewed in that direction. It's hard for me to look at Star Trek. And it does have some elements that I like better. Uh, it's cool that you could play with just the one ship and it's still just as deep. And you get to play with the crew, which then modifies that one ship. You don't feel like you have to throw like five ships out there, three of which you know are going to blow up in ten minutes. But at the same time, I always kind of felt like Star Wars was more about space battle. Um, they fight a lot. You know, like you said, Lucas made the, these dogfighting style uh, ships. Star Trek never felt like... I mean, there's plenty of fighting in Star Trek, but it's it's more about exploration and discovering things and diplomacy, and sometimes you shoot each other, but it doesn't last very long because that's not really what the show's about. So I don't feel that sense of, like, chasing people down and fighting them, whereas if I'm in my X-Wing chasing down a TIE fighter, that feels... You know, I feel like I'm in the movie then. It's like, that's what they do. That's how you play them. So... I almost wish some of the elements that they added to Attack Wing were in X-Wing for that reason, because um, I like them. Sure. But I would always play X-Wing, personally. And that's just theme. That's all theme for me. I'm not even going to go with like, game system. I'm not even going to pretend. It's all theme. And like Chris said, quality of components is huge. Sure. I wouldn't want to buy the Star Trek components because they just don't look that great, and I don't like the theme that much, even though I do like Star Trek. Yeah, I mean, I was wondering if you were be able to take one of these things and do like a little paint over on it, see if you can like up the detail, maybe a wash or something like that, just to add a little more to it. And yeah, I think so. For most of them, I think just a wash and a dry brush would be good. Yeah. The, no, there's two things I was curious about. Um, for the Star Wars part, there's like nothing that really simulates like the Jedi and the Force and all that part in the game, though, right? Like if Vader's your pilot, it's not like you can force your opponent to move over to the side or. I don't think so. Um, it's not really that part of the. Yeah, universe, I guess. But a big part of the universe is those is the fighting aspect. It's I know sometimes they bring the force into it, but a lot of the time, you know, they're just running. They're trying not to get shot, or they're shooting down Tie Fighters. At the very end, yeah. maybe he uses the force to 
I was gonna say because like that's the thing. when I think Star Wars, I just think lightsabers instantly lightsabers. So that not being an element of the game maybe is why I, I wasn't instantly drawn to it as much. And now Chris, like for the Star Trek part, I was figuring like we were mentioning those bigger models that are in the Star Wars game. If the first bigger model is the Borg cube, I will buy three of them. <laughs> <laughs> and that is my team every time we play because that would be awesome. You know, it's like uh, even their building thing, it can be that no matter which captain or which weapons you use, it's not points higher because they just assimilate everything. Absolutely. That would be the coolest thing ever. It'd be pretty awesome. I'm, I'm going sure to we'll be on board with that. I'm sure we'll see that at some point, too. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, man. I don't, whenever they release that, as soon as they even give the news, that's when my interest in this game is going to go sky high. Yeah. All right, so it seems like we all, it's definitely a play. And if you're really high on the theme, definitely go out and buy the base set, see if it's for you, see if you can get some people to play. It's definitely something that you want to draw people in and see if they can kind of get used to the mechanic. If you're going to teach somebody, take them through the really basic steps. Don't play with the, all the cards yet. Just let them get used to actually maneuvering the ships and then kind of work the cards into it and then eventually put into the builds. Because the full tournament style gameplay is a little daunting at first and it could definitely turn people off, especially the cost and everything that goes into it. So up until then, Try it out and see if it's something that you might be interested in. Okay. So real quick before we go, I just want to remind you again, we're having a contest. If you donate to Extra Life, just let us know. $10 or more, we're going to put you in the raffle. Three, at least three games are going to be up for raffle. You like us on Facebook, tweet, follow us on Twitter, any of that. We'll throw an extra uh, entry in for you on the contest, and that's going to last for the next two weeks. So make sure you hit us on Facebook. Uh, it's facebook.com slash boardgamersanonymous. Twitter, it's at BGA Podcast. And then, of course, we're on our own website, BoardGamersAnonymous.com. And uh, this time around, the contest is going to be for U.S. listeners only. Sorry, everybody overseas. We're going to try to put something together for you real soon. This is Anthony. This is Chris. This is Kim. This is Dan. And until next time, we'll save you a seat at the table. Does anyone actually want to get another game in? Yeah, we should try a team game out this time. I wouldn't mind uh, having a friend on the board. Yeah, get some more points out of it. Can we actually do an X-Wing versus Attack Wing kind of game? Kind of mix the miniatures? I know that's supposedly not officially sanctioned. I know, yeah. Go with Taboo. The nerd gods will come down. (laughs) (laughs) The Millennium Enterprise. Yes. (laughs) Put Han Solo in the Enterprise. (laughs) No! Well, be good, because Han will shoot first. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I want to be the mutant. There you go. There you go. You know, you, you mean Jordan the Forge? Yeah, he's Cyclops. <laughs> <laughs> Not everyone has a bite, sir. I want to be the Cyclops, sir.